Welcome to the Brett Boom Podcast. I'm the voice of the show. My name is Dan Levy, and we got a special episode for you guys today. We want to thank you guys for checking in. Remember, we are available on all podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts from. Feel free to subscribe, share, tell all your friends. This week's episode is a special one. I'm going to set it up, Brett Boone, to set it up for you. Brett, what's up? All right. We got Cowboy Joe West. The umpire everybody loves to hate, but I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> if it's if if it's game seven, I'm taking Joe West back there, and I feel good about it. How you doing, I'm Joe? good. I'm doing all right. I think – You doing all right? Where, I'm at Doral Country Club, Trump's place in Doral in Miami. In a little R&R? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're about to you're about to set a record for the most games umpired in Major League Baseball history. Um, what's the difference when you broke in? I know you broke in at 76. What's the difference between then and now? How's the game changed? Well, the game has is, is changed because uh, they don't play like a team anymore. They're, everybody's trying to hit a home run, and every pitcher's trying to strike everybody out. Um, back, back then uh, – I mean, my first game, I had uh, Phil Necro. My first game behind the plate, I had Necro, and the game was an hour and 54 minutes. We can't play four innings in an hour and 54 minutes <laughs> today. It's uh, And there's a lot of things that have affected it. You know, they they're, they won't uh, – I, I look back at some of the pitchers that pitched back then. I, I don't think anybody would ever look at Randy Jones back then because he couldn't throw hard enough. And um, – if they were scouting Pete Rose because he wasn't flashy as a player, they didn't ever sign him. And there's a guy who got 4,000 hits. Um, but um, the funny thing is, is over the years, the, the players have gotten bigger and faster. But there's still only a few that are that are like Willie Mays and Clemente and uh, Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, um, and, and the crazy thing is, is I, I've had some of these guys – dads that played i had ken griffey senior when i came up uh, i had i had your dad as a catcher and uh, i can remember when uh when pete rose got traded over to the phillies the phillies had one of the best teams in baseball and just couldn't get over the hump they couldn't win the big one and adding pete rose uh helped him because he taught him how to play like a team and uh he was the only guy i ever saw yell at mike schmidt you know that was a Swing and strike three in the dirt, and and they got away okay. from the catcher, and Mike just kind of walked away, and and Pete started yelling at him, "What are you doing? The guy might throw it away." And um, I mean, from that day on, you know, everybody realized, "Hey, this is for real. This is." Um, I mean, and, and I I was lucky enough to be there to see it. So, um, and that's that's another thing about the game, you, you know. You're witness, witnessing a piece of history every day. Some days are bigger than others, you know. But um, I can remember when Willie McCovey hit his 500th home run. And, uh, and the only reason I knew it was his 500th because I read it on the scoreboard. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, it's been a, it's been a great journey for me. So I, I like, I like the game as it's played. And, and uh, I think that uh, we, we should, we should quit tampering with it. I think that uh, it's a good game. It's typically American. It's uh, it's one of those games where you're not going to be perfect. 
you're just not going to be perfect. I don't care who you are. And uh, even though you, you, you'd say the pitcher had a perfect game, he didn't throw all strikes. You know, some of the best games I ever saw pitched were an hour and 55 minutes, and they got two or three runs off the pitcher. But uh, they were better games than some of these perfect games I've seen. Well, I think, you know, I, it, it's amazing because, I mean, you think about a career and I, I think about my baseball career. It seems like it's been forever. But, you know, I grew up in that area you're talking about. And, you know, when Pete came over to the Phillies, I was in that clubhouse. I remember that. I remember the fire Pete brought. But but to, it's amazing to me. I look back at those games. That was my childhood. So those are some of my greatest memories is going to the ballpark yeah. with dad in the 70s and the 80s. And then, you know, fast forward to my career and I got to play in that era of the nineties, early two thousands. Now, you know, now I'm 12, 12 years removed and, and I'm trying to relate to, you know, I, I can still relate to those games in the seventies and eighties. I definitely relate to my generation, but now I, I'm, I'm on the other side of the mic now and, and I'm analyzing the current players and it's definitely different. You know, I try to take that attitude with, with, uh, the game is, I remember my grandpa and you remember grandpa Ray and man, he was just a stickler and he was old school and the players are better when I played. And I remember saying, I'm never going to be like that. So, I, so I really try to be an open, have an open mind with this current game. Cause it is different. There's still some big time talent out there. You know, I look at the Sotos and the Tatises. These guys are fun to watch, but it's definitely different. And you've, oh man, you've seen it all. Tell me this, why we're on that. How was Bob Boone to to umpire behind? Because I I don't get that that feedback. Well, he was a great catcher, and uh, he'd always block the ball in the dirt, which these catchers today sometimes just stab at it to try to knock it down. So he kept the ball in front of him. I mean, if if there was a ball coming in the dirt, he had both hands by his side, and he he knocked the ball down with his chest protector. He he was a he was a quality catcher, and he was a he was a smart catcher, and. Uh, well, he's, but who was your who was your favorite though? Was it was it myself? Was it Dad? Was it Aaron? I, I mean, other than me, who'd you who'd you like? Best well, you know, out of those two? I, I've kicked out your brother and I've kicked out your father. I don't think I ever kicked you out. <laughs> Nobody got me. We'll save that for later. But I mean, to the audience out there, uh, Joe and I go way back. I mean, we've been to through a lot of battles together, a lot of games, and we've been we've been on the golf course together quite a bit. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a question. You you quiz me all the time. The other day you asked me about when when I called and asked you to come on the podcast. You asked me how many umpires you think have, have been in the big leagues, and I was guessing, and I was I was way off. And it's under 400, uh, which is amazing to me. It's tougher to be a big league umpire than it is to be a big uh, big league player. But let me let me throw one at you. How many games do you think I got kicked out? I played 14 years. How many games do you think I got kicked out in the probably big- three. One, one, <laughs> one, and it and it was an illegal throwout. I wrote a letter to uh, I forget who the who, the, who the, the money collector was at the time. I think it was Frank Robinson. I said Frank, watch the tape. I should not have been thrown out. He threw me out for what he thought I was thinking. <laughs> it was in Kansas. It was in Kansas City, and and I can't remember who the umpire was, but I got thrown out one time. Um, all right, so tell me this. What what do people – when the fans are home yelling at their TV and they're usually yelling at you, and sometimes I'm yelling at you, uh, I, I know the answer to this. But 
But what don't they understand about, you know, let me set the stage. Game five, postseason, and you got now you've got the fast track and you've got electronics all over the, you know, all over the TV screen. So if you call a pitch and, and somehow they replay it in super slow-mo and it hits that line, and those fans are at home now. They're they're umpires, and they want to get you out of the game. Give me a little insight on on what's. I mean, I know you're a professional. You're not gonna you're not gonna worry about what. If we worried about what fans said, we we'd all we'd yeah, all. Yeah, but you know they they have a but, right to have, to their opinion. And but here's the thing that that they're not doing with that little box. The line they're drawing up on the screen is one dimensional. The strike zone is three dimensional. They they can hit the the outside corner in the back of home plate, not just the front, uh, and it's uh, and it's it's a it's a little box. And you know, uh, an old umpire one time, Ted Henry, told me he says he says you know that it's like a TV set, and every now and then you need somebody like Billy Martin to come out and adjust the knobs. <laughs> I love it. I love that, and I and I love that about you know kind of the old school and and the history of the game and and just bringing up yeah. Billy Martin and man those those are those are some of the fun times those old clips of Earl Weaver coming out and yelling you know I'm going to have Lou on the show next week uh, you know the base throwing and it, it's got to be entertaining for well, you when yeah it's and, and you kind of laugh at it but it's, it's it's it is entertaining you know some of the the uh, the stuff that went on. I mean, I don't think Earl Weaver finished the game I was in. I only had him in spring training a couple of times. He never finished either one. <laughs> but uh, and and I remember Dick Williams, who was a fiery. He was a good man. He won everywhere he went. But he was the kind of manager they hired to put the team back on track. And and then he was gone after four or five years. He won in he won in Boston. He won in. Seattle, he won it uh, in Montreal. They fired him the year they made the playoffs in Montreal, and he was, and his team went to the playoffs, and uh, and they let him go. But uh, he actually told us the home plate one day. He said, "I don't, I don't care what you call it. if it goes against me. I'm coming out there." <laughs> and he was, he was feisty. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, is it almost like you know, in and. In, in, once again, you know, I, I kind of know your, your guys' regiment and you get to the yard early and you have an umpire's room just like we have a player's room. But back in those days, did you ever come into a city where a particular manager was there and, and the whole talk before the game is, hey, when are we going to run him? Did that ever No, happen? but see, I was, I was lucky. The National League backed up their umpires back then better than the American League did. And, uh, and uh, when, when I was coming up uh, – the supervisor of umpires, if, if you didn't have uh, eight or ten ejections in the minor leagues, they didn't hire you. So when you come to the big leagues in the National League back then, the players would go, okay, how many did he kick out in the minor leagues? And somebody on the bench would know. So they they pretty much let you umpire when I came up in the National League, and it was completely different in the American League because you had Martin and Weaver that were trying to intimidate you, and that – that didn't work, you know. So uh, they had a rougher they had a rougher road than I did. Uh, but uh, I think uh, when they first wanted to combine the leagues, I was against it because I was comfortable going to all the National League cities, and uh, I didn't realize that they were trying to make it so that when you had a World Series or these playoffs where the, it's interleague, 
that uh, there wouldn't be some discrepancy. Oh, he's an American League umpire. Oh, he's a National League umpire. And baseball was smart in putting that together and making us all major league umpires instead of one league or the other. And uh, and it was the, the supervision was completely different. You know, they, they had uh, uh, Al Barlick was our supervisor and Eddie Bargo, who were tough, hard-nosed umpires, you know. And in the American League, their supervisors at the time were office people. And uh, it wasn't until they got Marty Springstead to be a supervisor that they had anybody in a position of authority to help the umpire. So it, it's it, it, through all this and, like you said, all these years, I've seen the growing pain, some good, some bad. But for the most part, uh, I, I think that uh, baseball is trying to do everything above board so there can be no discrepancy so that nobody can say, you know, oh, he favors one team or another, and and you, which you can't have, you know, and you, you got to go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, no, no. I, I just, it's, it's pretty fascinating to me. I love it, and it just brought when you were talking about the American League and the National League. Yeah, when I first came in the league, we had American League, National League, then interleague place. Uh, shortly after I entered in the. You know, they combined. But I remember watching games uh, back in the day, and I loved the American League because they came – the American League had those big – your big chest protector that you carried with you, and the National League didn't. Yeah, the American League used the old balloon, the outside protector. I thought that stuff was so cool. I mean, that's just stuff because it's before my time, and it was really cool. All right, what – simple question. What's it take to get run by Joe West? (laughs) <laughs> where where am I? What line do I got to cross? I kind of know the line because I never got there, but I see that look in your eye, and I, and I knew I knew when to back off. But what what did you have something in mind? Like, all right, it takes this. It depends the mood I'm in. Depends the player. No, I I what, think it's equal for just about everybody. But I, I'll tell you a cute story about that. I was working a spring training game with Steve Ripley and Larry Young. And you know both of them, right? I know both of them. Yeah, and. uh so Gene Shallot's doing this thing for ABC and he comes in and he's asking about how to rub up the balls and this, that, and the other. And, and then he says, uh, he looks right at Larry and he says, uh, what do I have to say to get kicked out of a game? Just like you're asking right now. And Larry had a great line. He says, call me something I'm not. And I said, yeah, tell him he's good looking. That'll get you yeah. kicked out. <laughs> and of course that makes the show on ABC. <laughs> so, <laughs> but so I always kid him about that whenever I see him <laughs> and he's still, he's still working for the commissioner's office, but the, the general principle of, of getting kicked out of a game, an umpire is not supposed to be abused. And uh, here's the crazy thing that we don't do as well as we should. Uh, ball players are not supposed to belittle other players either. If you're yelling from the dugout obscenities at another player, you're subject to ejection under the rules. And we and don't. How many did you we, eject for that? I've never eject. I try to it, calm the situation exactly. down, you know, because we're trying to keep everybody in the game, and you you can't let them do that. And that's another thing that I've noticed about baseball. You know, football and basketball. There's so much trash talking going on during the game that there's a lot of times uh, some of the stuff that happens on the field is because they're yelling at each other. The umpires in the major leagues don't let you uh, trash talk each other. I mean, first of all, back in the old days when your dad played, somebody did that, the, the pitcher would just throw at him, you know, 
<laughs> and, and now I, I like I like those days. <laughs> yeah. Now we. <laughs> well, that's because you could get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. But, but yep. the truth of the matter is, you know, um, and, and I tell people this all the time: baseball is typically an American sport. There's no, there's nothing else in the world that you can fail seven out of ten times and be in the Hall of Fame. People yeah. fail seven out of ten times, they go to the Hall of Fame. And it's a difficult sport. You got to hit a round ball with a cylindrical bat, and you got to hit it square, and then you got to hit it where nobody can catch it. So you, you're you're talking about one of the toughest games in the world, but it's typically American. If you ever notice, it's always somebody else's fault, and usually they blame the umpires or they blame something that happened—a bad bounce or whatever. No one, no one really wants to say it's my fault. I should have caught it. I did this and did that, you know. And I tell That's who I blame. I always blame you. <laughs> yeah. But I tell people all the time, you know, tennis and golf were gentlemen's sports, and then they messed up and let the Americans in it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know. This sport is typically American, and it, it's hard nosed. It's uh, you know even from the way it's played in the big leagues to the the beer leagues in softball, it's typically American, and uh, and that's that's the coolest thing about it. You know, it's it's not perfect. It's never going to be. Uh, even even though we put replay in, uh, we still have errors and we make mistakes, just like players do, just like managers do, just like executives do. So it's it's a funny thing that, uh, and I and I tell umpires this all the time. I said you you got three responsibilities. Your first responsibility is to the game of baseball because without the game, we have nothing. Nobody has anything. So you have to respect and protect the game of baseball. And I and I and I always say that doesn't necessarily mean the commissioner's office. You have to protect the game of baseball. And your second responsibility is to your profession which it goes back to talking about kicking people out. You know, if somebody gets does something that he should be kicked out for and you don't kick him out, you're, you're hurting the game. And uh, the third responsibility is to do what you know in your heart is morally honest and correct. Now, no matter what you do and all three of those, and if you do them all right, somebody's going to hate you because they're pulling for their team and you may have to call something that they don't like, but, your your responsibility is, is bigger than just surviving the game. You you have to uh, you have to protect it, and you have to uh, be proud of it, and you have to make everybody else around you proud of it. You know. Yeah, and my and and my advice, just going through you know all the baseball I've been through in my life, and, and we're all there, and we're all you know we're all in, we all have some time in our life we call our heyday. But I tell young kids now and young players, I said, you know, really, really appreciate this game. Sometime when you're at Wrigley Field or you're at Fenway, look around and, and just take it all in for a second, maybe during a pitch and change or something, because this doesn't last forever. And we and we all expire at some point. And this game, it's so much bigger than, you, you know, you, you could have an MVP season and everybody's telling you how great you are. But but take those times to kind of humble yourself and realize this game is so much bigger than me or what I'm oh, doing yeah. right now or my teammates because I'm going to be gone one day and there's going to be a new set of players and they're going to be it's going to be their game and then they're going to be gone one day so don't take yourself too serious respect the game yeah. and, and appreciate the game because because it, it's it's in a blink of an eye maybe not for you but for the rest of us <laughs> that only play 15 years. You know, it seemed like it came and left, and, yeah. and it was like, wow, that was fast. But, it, you know, awesome stories. Um, 
All right. I, I was going to share with with the uh, the podcast audience, and we've talked about this before. I, I got to share something that Joe and I, you know, we had a pretty good relationship on the field. We had our heated moments, but we could always smile. And, and you know, we had we kind of had a, a running joke. I'd come to the plate. He, he'd call me something we probably shouldn't say. I'd call him something we should I shouldn't say. But we kind of had an understanding. That was our way of saying, what's up, Booney? What's up, Joe? So one day, I, I forget, I forget, you can help me out when I'm done with the story, but I don't know if we had an argument, we were doing something, but but I wanted to kind of get under Joe's skin. So, and for you guys out there that don't know, Joe is a two-time country album. He's recorded two country albums. <laughs> so I went back and, and I called up to the press box and I said, in between innings, I want you to put one of West's songs on the, you know, on the surround sound in the stadium. Sure enough, between and Joe's song starts playing. He's looking at me like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and that night after the game, I was having a rough series. That's what it was because yeah. I was having a rough series. I was probably 0 for 9 first two games. And I get a CD from Joe West from the umpire's room. A kid comes over from the umpire's room and says, yeah, Mr. Mr. West wants to, to give this to him. I'm thinking, oh, he's going to give me something nice, you know, maybe – I don't know, maybe a certificate to the golf shops. No, I didn't think that. But it was it was a Joe West CD signed by Country Joe that said, there's more hits on this album than you got in this CD. And <laughs> to this day, it's one of my favorites. Because it's what? how do you answer that? It's like, it doesn't matter. He, he got me right there. But that was pretty cool. And the other thing that I, that I want to share with you that I, I really thought was funny uh, my rookie year, I uh, come up and man, that was the old school time where, where it was Eric Gregg and Montague and, and Joe West and kind of intimidating to a young player. And uh, man, I was having the toughest time with Eric Gregg, God rest his soul. And we're in Pittsburgh and I'm at a little, I'm at a bar after the game, having a few beers. And I see Eric Gregg over there in that big hat that he used yeah, to wear. Yeah. You know, everywhere Eric went, he had that big hat. He was, he was a pretty, you know, pretty big personality. And, you know, I'm just a rookie kid. You know, I probably got less than a year in the big leagues. And I, and I buy him a beer. I sit up at the bar. I turn to him. I said, Eric, Brett Boone, by the way, if you don't know, it's me. <laughs> and he laughed and I said, what did my dad do to you that made you hate me so bad? <laughs> and he looked at me and, said, and he started cracking up. And I'll tell you, that was the best move I ever made. Because anytime Eric Gregg had to play, he called it as fair as it could be. And it was just from that little gesture. And, and there's relationships between the players and the umpire, you know, some players are different. Some players don't talk to umpires. You know, I was one of those guys. I was chatty Cathy because I'm at second base. I've got, you know, Joe might be out at second base for, for the first game of the series. I know in two games he's going to be behind the plate. So we're talking we're talking shop. I always had a relationship. I, I, and, and teammates that would tell me, oh, I don't talk to the umpires. I said, why wouldn't you talk to the umpires? Be friends with all the umpires. They're going to piss you off at some point. But I don't think it's a bad idea, you know, them having a positive view of you because the subconscious comes into play out on that field and and i thought it was good but i ended up enjoying the umpires anyway they had a job to do i had a job to do. yeah that's, that's exactly uh, right and you know i i can remember telling ricky henderson uh where he showed up an umpire one time and 
And of course, the umpire was brand new, so he didn't really do anything. And he came back to the outfield. And I said, you know what? We don't try to show you up, and you shouldn't try to show us up. It's the respect of the game that you have to look at. And kids are looking at the way you act, and you've got to understand that. And, uh, yeah. and from then on, he, he would always say hello. And, and it, was, it was one of those things where he got, he got the message, and he appreciated it. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, the, the mutual respect is great. And and all we're doing, you know, I'm out there busting my ass. You're busting your ass. You're doing the best you can. We're both human yeah. beings. We're both going to screw up. I'll tell you, there was times where I might even said, you joke, you, you know, you got to get better than that. Ball's down. I'll go back, you know, in between innings, I'll check the tape and I'll say, damn it. That's a strike. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, and I wasn't wrong very often, but when I was, I'd make it a point to go to you if you were the one or whoever made the call, if I had had words with you. And I'd say, you know what? I'm sorry. I looked at the tape because I thought that was the right thing to do. Like I said, I wasn't wrong very often, as you know, but it, it happened on occasion. I want to, I want to get into it with you a little bit. Take us a little behind the curtain on before you got to the big leagues, the minor league, I want to talk about, you know, the minor leagues for a player, you know, it, far from the big leagues, but we have a bus and we travel. Give give the fans out there a little feeling what it's like to be a minor leaguer, minor league umpire trying to fight their way to get a chance to be in the big leagues one day. What's that travel schedule like? What's what's the life? Well, it's awful, and they don't pay them anything. Even the, even the AAA umpires don't get paid anything. If you're not one of the umpires that's being called up to go to the big leagues or you work big league spring training, you got nothing. And then they have to work, get jobs in the winter. It's it's terrible. And uh, well, it's kind of like the players. Oh though, yeah, right? it's paid on I the mean, same kind of scale. Yeah. It's it's awful. Um, and and the sad thing is, uh, I was when I came through the minor leagues, we worked two man system, and everybody complained that why can't we have a third umpire, at least the third umpire, much less the fourth. And I didn't realize till I got to the big leagues that working the plate every other day was grooming you to work the plate in the big leagues. So when you work the plate every other day, you go to the big leagues, you'd, you'd have 400, maybe 500 games behind the plate. Where if you only had three, if you had three umpires, add another umpire, you cut that by a third. So, uh, those umpires didn't get the experience that we did, like Montague and Crawford and Jimmy Quick and Eric Gregg. We all came up at the, within a year of each other. So it was it was it was amazing that uh, when you look at the way things happen, uh, that we were we were given the chance to work the plate every other day. And guys today complain about having to work it every other day. <laughs> right. How about how about uh, big leagues? Okay, now, all right. For the people out there, big leagues travel for a big leaguer baseball player is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, we go tar right from the bus to the tarmac to our charter. Yeah, the umpires they live. You guys live a different life. You know, it's getaway day in Pittsburgh on a Sunday. You go extra innings. You guys might miss your flight, and you got an assignment Monday in Kansas yeah. City. So take us through that a little bit. Uh, the big league umpire, you're going to live a pretty good life. You're going to travel well, but take us through those, you know, the, the problems that you have. If man, it does go extra innings. There's no more flights, weather, you can't get out. There's no, there's no flights. Give me some, give me a story on, on something that came up through all these years. Well, we're in St. Louis one time with the, with the, um, 
Kansas City Royals interleague game. And in the top of the ninth inning, the Royals come back and score like seven runs to take the lead. Well, years ago, it used to be if you didn't finish the game because of rain and weather, that that half inning was canceled and it didn't count. So with the help of the rules committee, we went to the rules committee and said, that's not fair. They scored the runs. You should make it a suspended game and they should have to come back and play it at a later date. And the rules committee agreed with us till it happened. And then they said, it's too expensive if it's the last trip of the year, which is a money thing. So they wrote that into the rules that if it happens the last trip of the year, that they don't have to make it up and that they would lose that half inning. Well, Kansas City had just come back from like a five-run deficit to take the lead. And now it begins to rain. So we go in the locker room, cover the field, and sure enough, the office calls and says, you know, uh, they're going to revert back and the Cardinals are going to win. And I, I, Joe Torrey was on the other line, and I said, no, we're not. <laughs> so so wow. we waited and we waited and we waited until there was a break in the weather. And I think we finished at like 2.33 in the morning, and we had a day game in Chicago the next day. So the limo had to drive us all night from St. Louis to Chicago. And we went out to home plate. And uh, the first thing I told both guys that brought the lineup card is there'll be no arguing today. And I said, we know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but you did say limo. You did yeah, because they, they didn't have a flight. Didn't say, yeah. They didn't have a flight we could take. <laughs> so they had the they were, well, that right. limo. It was a big one of those fans that takes you one of those sprinter vans, but, uh, and that's the only way they could get us there. So, and, and it's, it's, it's one of those things where uh, they do everything they can to make it bearable for us, but you can't, I mean, we don't get charter flights. We did this year on a couple of things where they couldn't get us to the cities because of the pandemic, but for the most part, you're, you're flying commercial. And, uh, and sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes it's very good, but uh, that's part. That's part of the. That's part of the job. Who 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 holds the umpires accountable? If I'm a player and, I, and I'm not doing my job, I yeah. get released. They don't pick up my contract. Who holds? Who holds? Well, the, the commissioner's office grades every umpire on every pitch, every play that he has. It's it's one of those things where uh, if you work home plate and your score is ninety seven. Well, that's uh, above average, uh, and it's uh, extremely good. You, that means that out of every 100 pitches, you've got 97 of them right. And yet they want you to be perfect. You know, Dick Stello told me the first week I was in the big leagues, he says, uh, yeah, you got to be perfect the first day and get better. <laughs> so, uh, and, and you know what? Uh, nobody, no umpire likes to miss any pitch or play. They want to, they try to, they strive to be as perfect as they can and no amount of work or uh, whatever you, you do to try to get better is going to make you perfect. And, and that's a, a crazy thing about this. As I said, it's not a perfect game, but it's typically American and it's, and it's easy. Yeah. And this is, this is where, you know, even as a player that man, you know, 
you have sometimes you have a problem with an umpire. You know, a lot of times, most of the time, you don't. But but as players, you know, I I always said, hey, these guys for the for the most part, most big league, they're busting their ass. They got a job to do. They don't want to look bad. They don't want to make a bad call. And especially as time goes on, and, and we have all this data that can super slow mo and and almost like. Goodness gracious. But as a player, all we wanted was, hey, give me your best, best effort. You know, usually you establish your strike zone. I'm playing defense and offense probably, you know, with one at bat mixed in. So I have a pretty good idea, depending on who's behind the plate, what that what that strike zone is tonight. I know what's a ball and what's a strike that's been established. And, you know, we're, we're all going to go outside. And, and sometimes I'll tell you what's funny about hitters is when we're we're not swinging good our eyes aren't working like they normally do and if if that if we leave the the hitting zone for a second that ball looks like it's 2 feet outside but if you're if if your head doesn't pull which means you're probably you know you're probably hitting well at the time you can i can tell you if that's an inch off the plate or not but when i'm going bad i'm pulling my head man that ball looks 2 feet outside i'm frustrated i'm not getting any hits you know, my first thought is get on the umpire, but then think, wait a minute, wait a minute. The way I'm going right now, I'm not getting on anybody. So I had times like that, but I think for the most part, the umpires are good guys and they got a job to do like us. Well, they got look, integrity. They want to bust their ass. You got to look at where they came from game. too. They, they told just like you did coming up through the minors and they, and they, they yeah. fought their way to get to where they are. It's, it's not a, it's not an easy profession. And, and you're right. There's only, there's only been a little less than 400 umpires in the big leagues, and people don't realize that when they first started, there were just two umpires. There were eight teams in, yeah. in both leagues, and there were just two umpires. And then it wasn't until the late 20s or 30s that they used three. And then it wasn't until the 40s and 50s that they used four. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable statistic. Because uh, you don't really realize that any given year there's a thousand baseball players in the big leagues, but there's never been 500 umpires ever yeah. in the history. Of the in the history, yeah. yeah, that's um, yeah, that's unbelievable. How's this? Uh, okay, you know we established Joe came into the league in 1976, so obviously the electronics were a little bit different back then. But now with with all the you know, the technology we have and all the leaps and bounds and the digital world we've made. Uh, how is the new tech world and, and the computers and these super slow-mo cams and everything? Well, how does the, that help you? The, uh, that help you? I think the you? thing that's really helped umpires, especially since we've added uh, a bunch since, since the seventies uh, is the replay. The replay shows that, you know, overall, uh, they're about 99% right on the basis and the technology of the judging the strike zone with this, this tracking system, they're, they're over 95% on pitches. And I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. If you look at it, especially in lieu of the fact that, like you said, that box is just a linear box. It's not, yeah. it's not as accurate as everybody's making it out to be, but they don't call pitches off the plate. Uh, like they did years ago, the, the umpires have tightened up the strike zone, and uh, and the umpires don't let the 
second baseman or the shortstop cheat at second base anymore because of the replay. And uh, the, the greatest thing about replay is our young umpires get to go in there and learn. It's like on-the-job training. It's, it's the best teaching tool we have is for a kid to go to replay two weeks out of the year. What I'll tell you, I, I talk to fans and they always say, well, you know, and I think it's the wrong take, but they say, Brett, do the umpires like this new technology and, and the replays? I said, you know, I think they do. Because let's, let's say you're in a big game postseason. You, you don't want to miss that big call. Maybe that double play that ends the game. Nobody wants to miss that call. You know what I'm saying? So if, if the replay is going to come in and get that thing right, if I'm an, and I'll just play devil's advocate as an ump, put myself in an umpire's, I, I, I want to go into the offseason know we got the play right and, and the game didn't change if the, the human side of me missed one or a fair yeah. foul home run, you know, in a tough stadium with tough angles. I, I would think that would well, be. Well, if, if you don't believe that, that I mean, and ask not, Jimmy Joyce and Don Deckinger. Their their whole lives were ruined because of a call that we didn't have replay for. Right. So I think as as much you know some of the things we loved you know back in the day and just you know classic baseball and and uh, there are some good things coming along the pike. Uh, you know we're getting it's yeah. human development and and that comes with the technology. All right. Let's. Uh, <laughs> the cowboy boots, Joe. The cowboy boots, golf shoes. I've been watching Joe for 25 years. We have an annual, we have an annual baseball tournament at Pebble Beach, and Joe's been going for I think as long as I have. What was your my first year was 94. Oh, I don't know, but year? I've been there all but about three of them. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it's it's like there's certain there's certain staples to this trip, and and if I don't see Joe West bumbling around that that uh putting green you know i panic a little bit like wait a minute am i at the right tourney but joe's got these these cowboy boots with golf spikes in the bottom well i got six pairs of them (laughs) (laughs) and where how how did that all start i know you're well i i had them uh i had them made up to play golf in and and we're going to work the what was it the Marlins and uh, the Cleveland Indians? And so I knew it was going to be cold in Cleveland, so I I figured, well, I'll wear these in the outfield when I get there. And uh, uh, Peter, you brought thought they're the greatest things he ever saw, and and uh, and Paul Rungi and Leonard Coleman hated it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, they're they're called the Forbidden Boot now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wore. Uh, uh, well, there's not too. Well, not I, I wore them in the World Series, and and uh, and that's uh, that's probably where it all really started. But uh, I had them, I bought them to play golf in. I didn't I didn't buy them to umpire in. Uh, and they're they're comfortable. You can walk all day in them, and and they don't have that big heel. They have a roper heel. What's called a roper heel. That's the kind of guy that ropes the calves and then runs and ties their legs up. The short heel. So I just put, uh, well, at that time I put regular metal spikes on them, but now I got uh, these soft spikes. So, yeah, they've been good. And I still have the original pair. <laughs> yeah. 
And before I let you go, I got to go one more thing. Joe, Joe here, you know, he's, he's about to set the record as, as we started off the Boone podcast with uh, for the most games ever. Eventually, Joe's going to he's going to retire like the rest of us, go off in the sunset, live his life. Uh, and when that day comes, uh, you know, part of me is going to not really I don't want to get too mushy on you, but it's a little sad. Joe is a Joe is a, a personality and a presence in this game that that for decades now, I think it just brings something to the game. And and. To be honest with you, you know, a lot of the umpires are, are still there from my time. You know, my last last time I had a uniform on was 2008. But a lot of the guys, I you know, there's there's still the guys that were there uh, when I was there. But a few new faces that I don't know here and there. But but when Joe, when you walk away from this game, and we lose a personality like a Joe West, one of a kind, great umpire, but something you know you got that it factor you got that personality that presence i don't see anybody really stepping into your shoes right now now i'm not saying that could happen is that is that good oh or i bad i think fans? they've they've tried to make the umpires more robotic than than they ever were before as you said when you came up you knew everybody's name and uh and they were basically because you saw them all the time if you're in the national league or the american league you you saw those umpires because we didn't work in a league, but, uh, um, but you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's going to be a little different and it'd be different for me too, because I'll miss it. You know, the thing that's funny is you played in this tournament at Doral. We used to have down here, the, the one for the Adam Walsh children's fund. I think, I think Aaron played in it too. Um, yeah. And, uh, so right. we invited Ryan Klesko one year. And uh, the charity invited him because they knew he had a place in Palm Beach. And and he was so excited because of the musicians we brought down. You know, he got to get an autograph from Boxcar Willie and Mickey Gilly and all these people. And and so the next year, I get this phone call from out of the blue, and I don't don't recognize the number. And he says, uh, Joe, yeah, Brian Klesko. Oh, hey, how you doing? I didn't even ask how he got my number. He just, he says, listen, I got this ranch up around atlanta i'm going pheasant hunting on i want to take you pheasant hunting i said that's that's nice i i, I never been pheasant i've been duck hunting deer hunting bear hunting goose hunting but I, i've never been pheasant hunting he said yeah about 12 of us are going i said what 12 he named off 12 big league baseball players and i said let me get this straight you want me to walk on the open field with 12 ball players with shotguns i said have you lost your mind <laughs> <laughs> and that and that's rhino too he was a teammate of mine for a couple of years he, he'd break you know what depending on where we were texas he'd go hunting i mean he was dragging a pig through the through the visiting clubhouse and i'm going yeah. but that's rhino man he, he's yeah. a great teammate he's a meathead but but i love him for it well joe i want to thank you so much for coming on i love catching up we're we're gonna see yeah, each other I'm looking forward to that weeks up at pebble beach but you got any anything going on? Any charity events you're going? Anything you want to talk well, about? Well, I, I play in a tournament every year in Destinus for the uh, wounded soldiers and the and the widows of soldiers that have been killed overseas. And it's uh, they raise a lot of money to try to uh, bring these people back who are injured and uh, and try to rehab the the families who've lost people. And it's in Destin, Florida, and it's uh, actually it's over Halloween. And uh, we'll play it every year. 
you might know Charlie Hagee. He puts it on every and he and lots of times he has three or four Hall of Famers there. Bill Mazeroski's a good friend of his. Um, I, I know you know Sam McDowell. He comes over, and um, a couple of the Atlanta Braves uh, mm-hmm. retired people have come up. Bobby Cox was there at one time. Um, I see Terry Pendleton there every now and then, and uh, it's a it's a good tournament. And I wish I had all the information in front of me so you could announce it. But it's in Destin, Florida. And it's over Halloween, and it's a two-day tournament. Yeah. No, thank you very much for coming on, <laughs> Country Joe. Love you, man. I All right. see you in about I look forward six to it. weeks. Okay, that's a Boom Podcast, Joe West.